it was really interesting to me to talk to CEOs of of a lot of furniture companies at Neocon and almost to a person, they said they were having their best year that they've ever had. I guess I, I knew we were doing well as an industry, but just the the level of activity out there and success that companies are having in the industry right now is pretty incredible. I'm Sid Meadows, and I'm a certified professional coach, and my focus is on high performance and growth and helping my clients move into action. I'm a personal and professional development junkie, an avid podcast listener and reader, and my passion is all things contract interiors. In this podcast, I'm going to provide you with information, education, ideas, and tools to help you in your personal life, your business, and our industry. So let's have some fun and welcome to the Trend Report Podcast. The Trend Report is proudly sponsored by Indeal University, Indeal's exclusive platform for education and learning within the commercial interiors industry, offering live and on-demand courses to support the growth of your employees and the growth of your business. To learn more about Indeal U, please visit their website at learning.indeal.org. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of The Trend Report. I'm glad you're joining me today for what I know is going to be a really fun conversation with our guest, Rob Kirkbride. Hey, Rob, how are you? I'm great, Sid. How are you? Oh, I'm doing awesome. Thank you. And welcome back. This is your second appearance on The Trend Report. Is that a first for you, or uh, have we had multiple guests? I want a coat like they did get in Saturday Night Live if they have, like, what do they call that? The five timers club or yeah, something? That's I want great. a coat someday, Sid. Okay. We'll have to figure out how many uh, times you have to appear before you get a coat. <laughs> but actually, you are the third person to appear more than once. So the other people that have appeared and the winner right now is the guy that tried to steal my podcast, Trevor Block with India. You know, he took it over. He's been on a couple of times. Well, he doesn't count because he (laughs) he was a, he was a guest host. Okay. And then uh, Stephanie Entz with uh, India cares and uh, was on a couple of times as well. So uh, you're right in line behind them, but listen, you're such a big voice in our industry. I'd welcome having you on at least once a quarter. So we maybe should talk about that a little bit more. Ah, that's nice. Thank you. <laughs> so, Rob, this has been a crazy year. Lots of things happening. We're going to talk about a couple of different things today. But since Neocon was just a couple of weeks ago, I really want to start there and kind of get your take on Neocon 2022 and your thoughts about it and Fulton Market, kind of all things new at Neocon this year. So, uh, Kick us off. Well, first of all, I thought it was a great show. I was really pleasantly surprised by the number of people, by the new products that I saw, by the trends that I was seeing. I just thought it was a solid Neocon. It felt good to be there. It felt good to be around other people. And, you know, if I had to give the the show a grade this year, I'd, I'd probably give it a B plus. That's awesome. So this was my first time to go since 2019. Obviously, there was no show in 2020. I did not go to October. So three years, basically. And it was really great to actually see people I haven't seen in a few years and to be able to reconnect and be stopped in the hallway and look at people's name badges and try to remember where you know them from and those kinds of things. So I thought that that aspect of it was really, really good. Unfortunately, I was actually working with a client 
So I did not get an opportunity to walk around very much or to see very many new products. I only visited a handful of showrooms, but a couple of times I did go downstairs. It was really nice to see how busy the elevators were. Like it was great to see the lines and see the the elevator. That that's a that's a memory of Neocon past. That's an indication that it's it's a good show and there are a lot of people there. Yeah, I felt the crowds were good. They seemed to be engaged. From what I heard from people, they were happy with the turnout and happy with the uh, the way the event was was organized and and run this year. So. Yeah, I thought it was a really solid year. It was funny because I did go to the October show and that was weird because we were missing all the international audience. And that was what was really striking to me was the number of people from overseas who who made it over for Neocon this year, which obviously wasn't the case in October. So it was that was cool to see friends from the UK and from Italy and other places that you know they just couldn't come prior. Sure. And considering the Salon show was the week before that they were able those that did both were able to do it. So let's stay on the international for just a minute. Was there any international manufacturer that just kind of stood out to you that wow, this is a really great brand, they're doing really cool things. Is there any one that stood out? Yeah, I would have to say you know, Alamir Senator is always a highlight. I, I really tend to like British design because it blends the best of European and North American almost. It's it's not European where it's it's weird sure. or you know, it's it's so far out there that I can't relate to it, but they do bring in some of that sensibility. So I would say Alamir. Uh, Scandinavian spaces look great again. It was exciting for me to to see some of the uh, folks at that Danish makers lab. That oh, um, I forgot about that. Yeah, I forgot about that. It was really an interesting concept, and I ended up speaking to one of the guys from there while we were waiting out the tornado warning on Monday night. He was, of course, we were both standing outside the mart, kind of by where the Hayworth party was evacuated from. And, you know, I was standing outside watching the weather under the under the uh, the covered area there. And he was worried, you know, he was like, <laughs> is there going to be a tornado here? I said, ah, don't worry about it. You know, when was the last time you heard of downtown Chicago seeing a tornado? <laughs> Famous last words right there. <laughs> right. And then I said, well, and we're in probably one of the most bulletproof buildings in, in the world. I mean, nothing's going <laughs> to nothing's going to destroy the merchandise. Oh, that's awesome. So I was at the Fulton Market at a party when the tornado happened and we were, it was outside and we saw the clouds coming and then people moved inside, they closed the outside bar and then people moved inside. And then, I mean, I live in a place where this, that happens on a regular basis, right? I mean, in the South and Texas, we get tornadoes, unfortunately, more often than we care to talk about, but there are people that were with me from new England and from the upper Midwest that they were like, what should we do? 
should we get in the closet? Should we go downstairs? So I actually took some of them and we went downstairs because that's the safest place to be is downstairs. But we saw it pass through. It didn't last long, but you know, we can say we survived the tornado of hurricane, or excuse me, the tornado of Neocon 2022. I'll tell you what, I I was talking to some folks before Neocon and I said the worst thing that could happen to Fulton Market is bad weather. I, I said, if, if, if it's rain for three days or 95 degree weather for three days, it's going to be a problem. And we got a little bit of both. And, yeah, we uh, did. you know, I don't know. What was your thoughts on Fulton Market? So I only went for that one party. So I, because I was working with a client on the seventh floor, I didn't have the opportunity to see a lot. So I went over there. It was really cool. The space I went into was neat. The building was really neat. From the balcony that we were on, you could see and look down and you could see Knoll's facility and you could see another rooftop. So I think from that perspective, it seems really cool. But to your point, Monday, well, because I went on a Friday. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday were beautiful days. Right. Weather was nice. You maybe needed a light jacket. Maybe you did. It's what we expect from Chicago in June. And then Monday night, here comes the storm and the next day it's 95 degrees. <laughs> so I think that that's certainly a challenge when you think about what's, what they're doing with, I think they're calling it design days over at the Fulton Market. But I heard a lot of people go over there. There was the one event that I went to was busy, but maybe next year I'll have the opportunity to explore it a little bit more. Yeah, it was, it was an absolute mess in my opinion. Really? I was really, really disappointed in my experience at Fulton Market. And I'll tell you why. I I took a cab over, had an appointment in one of the buildings, couldn't find the entrance, had to walk around the entire building around the block to try to figure out how to even get inside the showroom. When I did finally get in the building, you know, it's it's an office building. So there's yeah. security guards and gates and things you have to go through. The showroom itself was absolutely beautiful. I loved the showroom. But then I went to to leave and I couldn't get a cab. Ended up ordering an Uber and it was of surge pricing and, you know, sure. because of all the people. And it cost me $20 to get back to the, the mile and a half back to the merchandise mart. Mm-hmm. And the signage was terrible. The it just was not what I was hoping for. It was it was you know the streets are crowded with people who don't really want yeah. a bunch of people looking at furniture walking around. You know it's already a busy place as it is. Do they want forty thousand people added to their neighborhood? I, I didn't feel like they did. It wasn't welcoming. I, I just think it's going to be a, a problem perhaps for some of the brands who go over there. Well, and I don't want to spend a whole lot of time talking about Fulton Market, but there are a lot of brands that have left the Mart that are moving to the Fulton Market area. For whatever reason, they're all making their own decisions around it. So it is interesting. Was it was the Fulton Market event, was it organized by anyone? Like their design days, was it like, did they have an organizer of it where they had signage and that kind of stuff? Or was it just somebody called it design days and everybody opened up their doors? I don't know. I mean, uh-huh. if it was organized by anyone, it seemed to be Herman Miller. Sure. They were the ones calling it design days. I didn't feel like there was any structure in place to promote that as such. 
but uh, look, you know, people can make all the decisions they want about going over. I, and I've said this to everyone who's asked, if you don't have a brand that can draw your own crowd and not, I'm not talking about the crowds that Herman Miller gets or Noel or anyone else. If you can't get your own crowd to Fulton Market, you have absolutely no business being there. Yep. So brands need to really think about what they're able to do and who they're able to bring over to that area. And if if they honestly, in their heart, believe they can't do that, then they should not do that. Yeah, they should stay. And the Mart, going back to the Mart, they're going through a $60 million renovation. Is that correct? Yeah, it seems like they're doing a lot of cool stuff to the building. They're adding a speakeasy. They're making it more accessible. They're opening up some of the the floors so it doesn't feel like you're, you know, just in a in a shopping mall, right? It, it's sure. kind of going to be a little more open and inviting. I, I think the Mart's doing a good job right now. And you know, I know it's it's easy to complain about them because they've you know they've run Neocon for fifty years and sure. fifty plus years and and people some people want change, but show me a better option. Uh, yeah. That's really what it comes down to. Well, and what I'm hearing you say is what happened at Fulton Market is not a better option. And it didn't, it wasn't that effective, at least for you. I'm sure other people would say it was for them. I'm sure the brands would all say it was great for them, but it, this really boils down to, let's call it the user experience. So the guests, the designers and the dealers and the end users that have to go back and forth, that's the people that will decide whether two locations is going to work. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So going back to the international brands, I did see a couple of them. I don't pay attention to all the awards that were won, but I did happen to see the Frovi product that won the gold award for their bamboo shelving. I thought that was really, really cool. We'll drop the link to their website in. Did you did you see that product? I didn't see the Frovi, Frovi product. There were a couple from Australia that I was uh, thought were pretty interesting. Funk. Um, uh, I didn't see them you know, interesting brand, you know, internationally, if you count Canada, (laughs) there, there, I thought, you know, Neen Camper had a really amazing showroom and really cool new products. Kielhauer, of course, Nightingale, you know, all the Canadian companies, I think did a really excellent job this year. That's awesome. So let's talk about some of the trends that you saw. You said you noticed some trends. What stands out to you as a trend that was new or maybe resurging that you found at Neocon this year? Well, first of all, walking into the Mart feels like walking into a residential furniture showroom now. I mean, mm-hmm. I I was stunned uh, and continue to be stunned by the uh, amount of soft seating lounge pieces you know, all this furniture that 10 years ago was, you know, if they did show a sofa, it was a white sofa that looked like a, it was carved out of a block of marble with, you know, some black legs on it maybe. And now, you know, it was amazing walking around and, and going, I would have that in my house, you know, that that's a nice piece of furniture, you know, really beautifully designed stuff. And that was one of the, you know, I know that's not a new trend, but just the extent to which we're shifting 
in that direction is is really interesting to me. So I would agree with you. It's not a new trend, but I, what I would say about it is it is a trend that's evolving. What we saw four or five years ago of residential furniture, even your description of it, but even just four or five years ago, what we seeing what we're seeing today is a lot softer, a lot lighter. You know, it just to me, it has a different feel from that resumercial furniture we saw five or six years ago. Yeah, it's evolved. It, it, yeah, it almost isn't. You can almost throw the mercial part yeah. of that <laughs> word, and let's go back to residential. I mean, yep. it really almost is residential product now. Bigger, softer, you know, mm-hmm. cushier stuff. Yeah, that I I would be happy to have in my TV room. You know, <laughs> where there. <laughs> Again, 10 years ago, you couldn't say that about a lot of, a lot of furniture that we saw at Neocon. So. All right. So what's so a residential um, soft seating lounge? What was another trend you saw? Well, I, again, not really a trend, but it was really interesting to me to talk to CEOs of, of a lot of furniture companies at Neocon. And almost to a person, they said they were having their best year that they've ever had. I guess I, I knew we were doing well as an industry, but just the the level of activity out there and success that companies are having in the industry right now is pretty incredible. And I know that can change pretty quickly, but I had several people say that they had their, their best April they've ever had, followed by the best May they've ever had, and are on track to have the best year they've ever had. You know, knock on wood. But that that's really good for the industry. Uh, it I hope that we don't go through another period like we did in 2000, where sure. you know Steelcase and Herman Miller and and the public companies had their best years followed by some of the worst years they've ever had. I don't think that'll happen. But it was it was really telling that you know we our industry is in a very strong place right now, and I hope that it doesn't get completely derailed by the larger macroeconomic issues that are out there. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's consistent, Rob, with what I'm hearing when I talk to manufacturers as well as to dealers. I had a conversation with one yesterday that basically said, we are literally having our best year ever. And that's nice, especially as we come off of a couple of years where they were down years and you know, we saw acquisitions, we saw consolidations, we saw closures. So it's nice to see this rebound happening. And the, I think the word that stands out for me is we're in a really strong position for moving forward. Yes, as long as the noise in the background and all the talk about all the economic stuff and all the other political stuff happening stays in the background, then I think that that will continue. However, this is not economic advice. It is not an economist or a futurist. So I'm just telling you what I feel about it. You're not either, are you, Rob? No, (laughs) I will tell you that I, I, I was slightly disappointed in the, I didn't, I didn't feel like there were a lot of new products that were trying to address the changes in the workplace yet. And maybe we're too early in the cycle to even understand what that means. But, you know, I didn't feel like there were a lot of companies that were like, this is our vision for what we see as the either hybrid workplace or workplace of the future, or, you know, it was, it was, there were good products for sure, but I didn't feel like a lot of companies were 
and maybe they're just not at the point where they're ready to start introducing products that they feel can can meet some of these needs. Sure. Well, it's it's interesting. I think the evolution, and we don't have to spend a lot of time talking about this, but I think the evolution of the hybrid workplace is very interesting and puzzling to all of us that work in the industry because you have design firms giving their opinions and sometimes they agree, sometimes they disagree. We have dealers and distributors that don't really understand the full impact of hybrid workplace. And then we have manufacturers trying to figure out products and solutions that will fit in a hybrid workplace. And then we got customers implementing that. Like I have a podcast episode coming up with a Fortune 100 company that is going to be talking about how they're implementing hybrid workplace. We're just trying to get it scheduled. And I'm really excited to hear from her about what it is they're doing and how they approached it. Hopefully, it'll provide some insights to the to the industry about what customers are doing. But I think there's so much unknown around it that people are still trying to figure out. So maybe next year, when we look at 2023, we'll see some really good stuff. Because I've said it over and over again, for those of you that listen on a regular basis, the hybrid workplace, in my opinion, is the greatest opportunity and greatest challenge that our industry has ever faced. So it's going to be exciting to see what we can do with it. I 100% agree with that assessment. It it absolutely is and you know, I what I want the industry, what I hope the industry will do is actually lead us out of this. You know, I've been I've been waiting for that as well and it's it's slightly frustrating because you know, we we have an industry that tends to react to what's happening in the workplace instead of leading us in what's happening in the workplace. I think our industry can rely or or expect designers to, to lead us out. I think the industry needs to lead us out of this, not designers. Designers will obviously have a really important and big role in this, but you know, I want to hear what Steelcase has to say. I want to see what Herman Miller or Miller Noel has to say and, and all the other folks. You know, what's the idea? What are you telling your customers? That, that's what I really hope to see, uh, you know, come out of the industry post-pandemic or into the end, endemic portion of this, I guess. That's funny because we just had that conversation pre-recording about post, the use of the word post. But anyways, it would it's going to be really interesting to see what, all, what they all come up with. I think it would be even better to see if they could uh, collaborate on what a real solution might be for our industry. But we have so many barriers and, in my opinion, disbeliefs about competition that we can't talk to each other, that we can't collaborate. But I think that it would be really great to see them come together to determine what a solution might be that could work for everyone. Because it's a it's a challenge. We've got to figure it out. And I appreciate you literally issuing the challenge. Hey, let's lead the way here. Let's don't respond or react to this. Let's lead the way. And then let's go tell our customers what the hybrid workplace should really be. Right, because they're asking those questions. They want to know, yep. and they are looking for leadership in this, which again leads to that great opportunity that you're talking about. If we can truly lead them to a better place out of this, then you know we're going to have a changed industry. We're going to have a changed workplace, and we're going to have some really happy customers who appreciate the level of of, of guidance that we've given them. Yeah. So I have a thought on this and this is just my thought only. This is my personal opinion only. So people might get mad at me for saying this, but I'm just going to put it out there. I think part of the reason that we're not seeing this right now, Rob, is the fact that 
we are so focused on selling product that we can't see the forest for the trees. And what I mean by that is us coming up with a plan about what a hybrid workplace might be may mean we're not going to sell product. It may mean we're going to sell services. It may mean we have to sell other types of planning resources, but we're a product industry and we can't get past the, this may mean we're not going to sell product. We're going to have to sell something else. And I understand there might be crossover with the design firms and things of that nature. But to your point, we need to take a leadership position. And and, and I'll add to that. We have to get beyond the fact that we may not sell product during that process. Yeah, it's been fascinating to me to see the shift since the worst of the pandemic till now in attitudes toward return to work and and the office. You know, the pendulum certainly seems to be swinging back toward, you know, you need to go into your office at least part yep. of the time. I don't hear all the chatter that that we did before about companies just saying we're done with the office. And if you look at the big tech companies, they're buying real estate. You know, it's not like they're not going to have offices. Google is, you know, buying up property everywhere. Sure. Um, and it's not because they want to get in the real estate business. They want to, <laughs> you know, they're they're going to build offices and and put people in those offices. So I'm I'm not worried about that. I think I, I to your point, I I think we're in a really good spot as an industry right now and and if we play our cards right and do the right things, it, we're going to come out of this far stronger than we were before. Hopefully with other things to sell too, right? Yes. Hopefully with other things to sell. So Rob, let's share your final thoughts about Neocon 2022. And then I want to move into something else new that's happening in your world. I just, you know, I, I wrote a column right before Neocon that said, you know, I was guilty of being cynical about Neocon for years. I thought it was, you know, the show was in trouble and I, I thought it was, you know, not the best thing for our industry at that time. And I think I was just cynical and I was determined to go into this Neocon with a fresh set of eyes, understanding that people work really, really hard on these products and to, you know, give the industry a little bit of a break because people work hard at, at creating these products and trying to help people the best they can to create the best work experience that they can. That changed the way I went to Neocon, I'll tell you. I, if, and it was just a simple attitude shift. You know, it was <laughs> nothing more than that. It, it, but it changed the way I looked at products. It changed the way I appreciated what I saw. And I, I would just encourage people to, you know, maybe next time you go to Neocon, if you've been a lot of years like I have and you have, you know, go with a fresh set of eyes, try to look at it differently and, and really appreciate all the creativity and, and innovation that this industry is about. That is such a great point. And I would echo that support of look at it differently, change your mindset around it. I would also say to anybody listening to expand your horizon beyond your major brand. The major brands are important. They have a lot of leadership in our industry. They do a lot of amazing things. But there are also a lot of amazing smaller brands that we walk by and don't pay enough attention to. So broaden your horizons, go down to the seventh floor, scroll around to some of the smaller showrooms on 3, 10, and 11, 
and check out what some of the other brands are doing beyond your major brand. Open, uh, expand your horizons. Yeah. And I just uh, tack a little bit onto that. I would say the seventh floor is my favorite floor still at Neocon. It's where the innovation is happening. And if you're a designer and you're skipping the seventh floor because it's not cool enough for you, you're doing a disservice to your customers. Uh, Yes, 100%. In the South, I would say amen to that because it's a really (laughs) great point, Rob. Really great point. So I really appreciate you sharing your insights with uh, us uh, and our listeners about Neocon and the perspective. We talked about a lot of different things there from trends to challenges and to the hybrid workplace and the tornado and the you know international visitors and things of that nature. But I want to shift in the time that we have left today, Rob, to talk about you. And you've recently made a change and you have started a new venture. And I would really appreciate if you would share with us about Right Office. Yeah. So at the beginning of the year, as again, the industry is coming out of the pandemic and, and things were changing, one thing that I started noticing is that a lot of the people I was working with in marketing departments at a lot of the companies in the industry weren't working there anymore, whether they lost their jobs during you know, the slowdown or left because of uh, you know, opportunities in other industries. There was a lot of holes there. Mm-hmm. So I started a company called Right Office to help with some of the writing projects that folks in the industry might have. And by writing projects, I mean, you know, blog posts and white papers and case studies and CEUs and website rewrites and some research, things like that, that were being, in talking to friends in the industry, were being kind of shelved because they just didn't have the people to do it. So, I started Write Office to offer services, writing services to those folks who who might need it and who might want to, you know, get some of those projects back in motion again. And I, I think I hit something that um, was really needed, and it, it's turned out to be a really great move. So much so that, you know, I, I left Bellow Press and my role as editor of Business Furniture to do this 100% of my time, which has led to some really interesting projects for a lot of companies in the industry. You know, we've got customers that total well over a billion dollars in sales to small companies and dealers who just need, you know, maybe a press release rewritten or something like that. One thing I will say that I don't do is PR. There's some great PR companies in this industry. They do a really good job. And I don't understand and have never been trained in the kind of the voodoo of of public relations. (laughs) It's great. Um, I'm happy to write a press release for someone who wants to send it off to whoever they want to send it to, but I'm not the strategic PR guy, right? I'm a writer. And I think what people appreciate about Write Office is I understand the industry. You know, there's a lot of good writers out there. I'm not fooling myself at all about that. But what I hear from my customers is, even even the good writers, it takes them a long time to get up to speed on this industry. And people have said to me, look, we, you know, we've hired writers, they're good writers, but we spend so much time trying to get them up to speed on 
you know, the way we speak, just the nuances of our industry that they could have done this work themselves by sure. that. And those nuances can be things like the up and down mechanism on a chair versus a pneumatic, right? I mean, right. just the simple terminology that people understand. A six pack to me and you is much different than the average <laughs> Joe on the street, right? I mean, oh my gosh, kind of, yes. <laughs> that kind of thing, it, it allows me to get up to speed really quickly and uh, to write stuff that makes sense to the folks in the industry. And uh, so it's been fantastic. And it's branched out into other industries, which is really interesting. I'm doing some work for a company in an adjacent industry that was a contact of mine in the furniture industry who left and is now at a different company that's outside the industry. I'm also doing content for a, a startup called Ticker right now here in Grand Rapids, which is, uh, again, completely outside the furniture industry. Yeah, They connect shareholders with benefits they can get for being shareholders of, of the companies that they own stock in. So it's been a really fascinating, uh, just a change of pace for sure. me. So I want to break it down just a second. So let's take website. You write website copy is one of the things that you do. So yeah. you will help make sure that the copy is appropriate as the consumer comes on, but you're not designing the website. You'd be working with somebody inside their marketing team for that creative aspect of it. You're just putting the copy in place. Right. And here's a good example of that. One of my customers is a major furniture design company. They produced a new website, looked beautiful, but what they did is pulled the web designer pulled copy from all of these separate companies into one soup sandwich, you know, that was just a mess of style and, mm -hmm. and terminology. And it, it looked, you know, it, it, the website looked beautiful. The copy was terrible because it didn't match. So they had me go through and rewrite everything. So it made sense and flowed properly. So that's the kind of thing I do with websites. All right. So I wanted to stay here for one more second. Why is that important, Rob? Well, I mean, it's critical. It, it's because the website was designed to promote the brand of this furniture design company. And if, it, if it's promoting instead or sounds like these other manufacturers, it, it's not really telling the story of what they can do from a design perspective. So I'm going to reframe that into my layman as a non-writer, though I have written, I am not do not consider myself a writer like you do, right? The copy on a website and the website could potentially be the first experience that a potential customer has with you. Yeah, absolutely. It's the first experience they have with you. And if they go and visually, it's great, but the copy's bad and there's misspelling and punctuation and terminology that your customer doesn't understand, guess what happens? They go away. And if you're in business and you're paying attention to this, hopefully one of the things you're doing is you're looking at your bounce rate from your Google Analytics and you're trying to understand why people, you have an 82% bounce rate, you need to look at the copy. So it all plays together to tell a story, as you just mentioned, that I think is really, really important for people to do. And I will raise my hand and say that my name is Sid Meadows and I suck at copywriting. And please don't ever go to my website, Rob, to look at the copy on my website. Websites are different things for different people, sure. yeah. too, right? Mine is maybe three pages, and it tells you almost nothing about what I yeah. what I do. <laughs> I mean, 
but it doesn't have to. I mean, people who come to writeoffice.com are going to, they probably know why they're going there in the first place. So, but for a company that's designing furniture and wants to make a great impression to potential new furniture companies that will come to them and, and employ their services, it's critically important. Yeah. And so if a, if a dealer, for example, wanted to hire you to write a series of blogs for them that would help with their SEO and driving traffic, help share their voice and their thoughts through your writing, they could come to you, hire you to do a series of blogs that would have the appropriate SEO words in it, as well as the topic in it. And then they could publish that on their website. Yeah, absolutely. And, or, and manufacturers as well. I mean, I'm working with a number of manufacturers on that right now. And some social media stuff as well, even though I am not a, I'm not a big social media guy, as you know, I've designed some uh, LinkedIn campaigns for a few companies um, where it just, you know, it's a short, a short, very short piece, few paragraphs, nice picture, well-designed that they can just drop into LinkedIn and, and give themselves a nice presence there as well. Well. Again, I think it's something that's really critically important to businesses is to have uh, the appropriate amount and the right kind of copy throughout their marketing, not just websites, not just social media, blog posts, even scripts for videos and things of that nature are all very important. And so I'm excited for you, Rob. So you're working with dealers, with manufacturers. Are you going beyond that? Do you work with design firms or other brands? Yes. Uh, design firms, for sure. You know, brands outside the industry again. It's, yeah, you mentioned it's a couple. Led to some work outside the industry as well, but you know, this is the industry I know. So I try to. I become when I step out into another industry, I become the person I'm just was just talking about who doesn't know the industry, who you know Absolutely. is trying to write for it. So I, I try to stick with what I know. Well, and I think that's leveraging your zone of genius, which is writing. And helping other people understand the importance of it and giving them the tool that they need to help their business be successful as well. Yeah. And I've my sales sales pitch is very simple. I I literally tell people, I can make your life easier. That that's it, you know. Hand me the stuff you don't want to do, hand me the stuff people on your team can't do, and I'll get it done for you quickly and at a reasonable price, sure. right? So Absolutely. Well, Rob, you've always had a very powerful voice in our industry and sharing your insights. Some of them I've agreed with, some of them I haven't. And I'm sure there are people that are listening are the same way as well. And I'm excited to see how you're going to be able to help share your voice through other brands and through the other content. Now, are you going to be doing your own blog where we can go read some things that you're writing at writeoffice.com and still hear some of your insights? That was a little bit of a poke. Stay tuned. Okay, there we go. There we go. I am discussing several opportunities with folks right now. And, you know, will I end up as an editor in this industry again? I don't know at this point. I hope so, but we will, we will see. There, it'll, it'll depend on these discussions that are ongoing right yeah. now. I can get my coat. I'll come back when I when I have a magazine to talk about, right? Okay, we could do that. That would, yeah, that'll help you get the coat. But Rob, <laughs> I have over here my drawer and I don't know if I do that, I'll go off camera and away from Mike. But over here in my drawer, I have a sticker and that sticker says, I'm a trend reporter. 
And I'm going to send you a sticker so that you can put it on that little Macintosh that you've got. How's that? Sweet. I'll, I've got I'll one on mine. You'll be the first person I've ever given one of these stickers to. I love it. I, I, it consider it done. <laughs> All right. I want a picture. I want a social media moment with that. Okay. Done. This <laughs> <laughs> your social media. So Rob, it's really close to time for us to wrap up, but you know, I appreciate, I've always appreciated our relationship and the encouragement you've given me, especially in the writing aspect of it. And I'd love the banter back and forth. And you know, what I believe that our industry needs, and I've said this quite a bit, is we need more people standing up and sharing their voice. We need more people sharing their insights or their beliefs about things so that we can continue to move forward in a lot of different aspects because we do have challenges in our industry that we need to address head on and we need to pull our heads out of the sand on some topics and look at new new things and new ideas. So you've always, in my opinion, been a leader in that aspect of sharing your voice and your opinions. And I, th- I would hope that more people will follow your lead and stand up and share their insights as well. I appreciate that. Thank you. And I, I would say the same to you. I you know, I think that this is a whole nother topic, but I think that comes from our West Michigan, you know, humble West Michigan background. The reason our industry is very, we have a very humble industry. If this industry was based in Los Angeles, believe me, or New York City, it would be, everybody would know everything about the workplace. Right? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, Rob, I appreciate you. So, Email address, we will drop in the show notes as well as the website address. Anybody would like to get in touch with Rob at his new venture, Right Office. Again, I appreciate all the insights about Neocon and uh, be checking your mailbox in a few days and that sticker is going to be there, okay? Thanks so much, Sid. Appreciate you joining us and uh, thanks everybody. And We'll see you again in a couple of weeks. Take care. Thanks for joining me today on this episode of the Trend Report Podcast. I'm glad that you're here and I hope that you got some amazing value out of today's conversation. For more about our podcast and this episode and our other episodes, please visit my website at sidmeadows.com. We look forward to seeing you next week and go out there and make today great.